Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Amen, church family. Well, good morning. It's so good to see all of you. We're going to continue to worship the Lord with our giving. And you know, the Spirit of God is here when uh, Catherine comes up and uses your illustration you were just about to use for the offering. Amen? Amen. This is what I want to say, though. Last Friday night, like she mentioned, there was kids from the community that were able to see C.T. Kilpatrick for the very first time, and I was able to witness their, their eyes just like, wow, we get, we get to be here? We get to come here? Church family, when it comes to giving, we say it all the time, this is not a moment of pressure. This is not a moment where we feel like we're trying to force you to give. God doesn't want to force anyone to give. God loves a cheerful giver, amen? And so when we give to God, really it's saying, Lord, we want to partner with the kingdom of heaven. We want to partner with the things that you're doing in our church, in our city, and in our nation to see the kingdom of light expand. And so I want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you to say, Lord, what would you have me give? It's, it's good every now and then to ask the Lord that question again. God, what do you want me in my household to do? Do you want us to go above and beyond our tithe? Do you want us to sow into a, a ministry or a missions organization? We want to be generous people. Because when we're generous, it, it just, it's contagious to the rest of the world. When they see our faith in action by saying, God, we trust you. And we're asking you to do these mighty things. But I also believe that there might be some here that you are in need of God to break through in your finances. And I'm glad you're here because we're gonna pray for that. So if you're here as a sign of faith, I love doing this because it's like, God, it's okay to show God our needs, right? It's like, God, hey, I, my family, my household, I need this. I need you to provide. And so as we pray, I'm gonna ask if that's you, if you would just lift your hands. Come on and let's begin to lift our voices. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we thank you, God, that you are faithful. We thank you that you are good. God, we thank you that we're so blessed, God, to, to, to be able to be used in our community, God, to bring light, God, that there are young people who can come to the house of God and feel that it is a house for them, Lord. And so, God, as we give, God, the tithes and offering to you right now, I pray for those who have raised their hands in faith, Lord, believing and trusting that you're going to step in, God, believing and trusting, God, that they know they can put all their hope in you, Lord. And so, God, I pray that you would use everything that is given, Lord, and I pray that you would open the floodgates of heaven and bless your people, God, exponentially, Lord, that you would get all the glory, you would get all the praise, God, because you are good. So we give in faith. We love you, Jesus. In your mighty name we pray. And everybody said amen and amen. God is good. Amen. Well, I want to just remind all of you, next week will be our first uh, Sunday back here at CT Cicero for the 9 and 11 a.m. service. And Pastor Toledo will be back uh, continuing the Raising Samuel series. And the title of his message is Home is Always First. Home is Always First. It's going to be a blessed time. And I want to encourage you, invite somebody to church next week. Come on. Is somebody going to invite somebody to church next week? Can I get a witness in the house? It's good to bring somebody to church. Amen. Well, today is the 4th of July, and the 4th of July is special because it's a day where we get to grill out, we get to barbecue, you get to have fellowship, food, and fireworks, right? The 4th of July is incredible. Big flavors and big lights. That's what I think about when I think of the 4th of July. But you know, there's two things you need to have a really good 4th of July. Two things. The first one is salt. If you want to have some good food for the 4th of July, you need some salt on that food. 
No one likes bland steak, all right? No one likes it. The second thing you, th you need is light. You need, we love when you get to see the night sky lit up with fireworks. It's mesmerizing. It's just like, man, this is so cool. It's so beautiful. Now, we don't like it when it keeps us up like last night till 2 in the morning, right? <laughs> it's funny. I was on Friday night. We were cooking, and we had all these young people coming, and I was on the grill, and I did a little social experiment. You guys have to forgive me. So, you know, I, I know our culture. I know our people. So I got this big old bottle of adobo seasoning, right? <laughs> Amen. Come on. Y'all going to shout louder for Jesus by the end of this. Amen. So this is what I did. I put it right on the front of the grill, and I'm cooking. Man, and I'm, I'm grilling, and we got all these kids, and we're making all these burgers, and students are coming up to me like, Pastor James, that adobo's on fire, man. It's, them burgers is good, and leaders are coming, and I'm just sitting there like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, because I ain't ever put an ounce of adobo season on anything. All you need is a little bit of salt, and it'll make it good. I'm going to hook somebody up. Look, I know y'all going to use adobo seasoning when you get home today, but trust me, all you need is salt and light for a good 4th of July. All you need is salt and light for a good 4th of July. And so today, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, but I want to talk to you about this idea of being destined for impact. Destined for impact. You and I... We as the church and the body of believers, we are destined for impact. There's no sideline Christians. There's no Christians that should ever ride the bench. There's no believers that should ever be passive. In fact, we were destined to make an impact, to make a splash, to make a noise, to disrupt the things of this world. And so I want to, for a few moments before we get to the lunch and the barbecue and all those things, I want us to really ask the Lord to look at our hearts and say, God, am I making an impact? Because Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, which is one of his most famous uh, sermons that he has given, it's his longest recorded sermon, he is gonna give us some instructions that I believe are for, it's transcendent, it's for everybody and for all time. When Jesus first starts the sermon, he's on the, I want you to imagine, he's on the coastal region, the northern side of the Sea of Galilee, and the Bible records that he is there with a large crowd and his disciples, and he sits down to begin to teach them. And he starts off with the Beatitudes or the blessings. Jesus was nice. He's like, let me tell you who are all the blessed people out here. So he starts off with the Beatitudes, and that ends with him saying, now look, persecution might come. Blessed are those that, that, that are persecuted for my namesake or that evil might be done to them for my namesake. But then we get to verse 13. And I want to encourage you to read the entire Sermon on the Mount. It's not long, but it's, I mean, it's, it's Jesus' sermon. Like, we should read that. We should read that and we should know that. And I believe that the salt and light, the theme that we're going to read about in just a moment, really blankets the entirety of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus will talk about judging. Jesus will talk about divorce. He'll talk about an eye for an eye. He'll talk about all these different concepts. Even the Lord's Prayer, I think, can be viewed in the light of making an impact. Salt and light of the earth. And so I want us to go ahead and read. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 13. If you're there, say amen. 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 It says this, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. 
Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's pray real quick. Father, we love you. Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity to dive into your word, to learn. God, I pray that you would help us in these next moments to apply it to our hearts. God, I pray that you would open our ears to receive deep, Lord. And God, I pray that you would help and prepare us. God, help people see, get fresh revelation today that they were destined for impact, that they have a purpose and they have a plan and you wanna activate them today, God. You wanna use us today for the great things that you have in store, God. Let our good deeds, God, be pleasing and bring glory to you, God, for your namesake. We pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. 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 Well, this is what I want us to come away with, and this is one thing, if you can remember one thing, it's that followers of Christ are destined to impact the world. Followers of Christ are destined to impact the world around them. Jesus gives us a global commission. Global. He didn't say, hey, just impact your house. He says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Now, one person, you and I, we can't, we can't fulfill that. But collectively, as the body of Christ, all around Chicago, all around our nation, and all around the world, we can fulfill that because Jesus has commanded it so. But if we're going to be destined for impact, the first thing you need to understand is that it needs salt. Everyone say it needs salt. Salt is a very interesting thing that I think we overlook often. Salt has over 14,000 purposes, and we're going to read every single one right now. Over 14,000 purposes to salt. Are you crazy? That's a lot. Salt is super, super important. But Jesus wasn't just saying that flippantly. He was saying that because there was a deep purpose to it. See, in Jesus' time, it was common to know that Roman soldiers would actually be paid in salt. That's how value of a commodity salt was. And the reason being, there was no refrigerator. There was no freezer. If someone had a salt cellar, it was known that that person was extremely wealthy because they had the ability to preserve meat. They had the ability to sustain things, and so salt was extremely, extremely valuable. There's an old phrase, uh, maybe you've heard it, that says, you know, a person is, is worth their weight in salt. That's where that comes from. Our word salary, right, comes from the Latin root word that is for salt. So there is a high value that can be placed on salt, not how we see it today of just on every single table and every single restaurant. Uh, you know, salt had a great purpose, and when Jesus was saying that, he knew that the disciples, those listening, would understand what he meant. So salt has a lot of purposes. Salt is very important. And you know, if you're like me, I have a good friend. He's actually in the background now. He loves to cook. He's an experimental chef. So you know, I'm the guinea pig who has to try all the food. He's like, hey, you know, I did this little recipe. Can I bring this food by your house to try it? And if you're ever around people who like to cook, there's a common, common phrase when you taste it, right? You, you need salt. Right, Our lives need salt. The earth needs the salt that you and I can provide for them. So salt has a few components to it, a few purposes that I wanna focus on. Not all 14,000, just three. So hang in there. The first one is that salt seasons. Salt seasons, everyone say seasons. Applying salt is the foundation of adding flavor. Adding flavor. See what salt does when we apply it to a piece of meat, is really, it extracts the best out of the thing that we applied it to. It extracts the best. 
That's the reason why steak needs salt. You put salt on it, all of a sudden, that piece of meat tastes so much better now because it's the salt pulling the best out of it. In the same way, you know, I was thinking about this for, for our lives. Jesus calls us the salt of the earth. Salt brings out the best in, in what we're eating in a piece of meat. I think that for us, friends of God, that we need to use the season of heaven, our season of heaven should upgrade the flavor in other people's lives. No, come on, I want you to hear that. The season of heaven should upgrade the flavor in somebody else, else's life. Who you are in your workplace, at your school, in your job, with your family, it should add value to other people. It should bring out the best in people. Come on, if we're honest, we all know that person that when they get around us, they just, you know, all of a sudden a different side of us comes out, right? I joke, and my sister's watching, I joke with my sister. Uh, you know, I'll say, if I'm going to visit my sister, you know, we got about three to four days, and then it's, you know, sibling rivalry all of a sudden comes out, right? We know those people do that to us sometimes. But we as believers are called to be salt to the earth. That means we're called to make everyone around us better. Do you pull the best out of other people? Does your presence in the room automatically shift things for the things of God? Come on, when you step foot at that barbecue today, is it gonna change the atmosphere because you're there? Not because the rest of your family's saved, but because you are there and you are the salt of the earth. Adding value to someone's life. How do we, how do we impact a culture and a nation? You add value to it. You don't just criticize it. You don't just say, man, this younger gen, this Gen Z, man, these kids are whack. They just got all these issues. They're entitled. They want this, they want that. No, you add value to their lives because that's what you were called to do. So salt is great for seasoning. In Colossians uh, uh, chapter four, verse six, it says this, let your conversations always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Man, I had to go to this verse. When I first got saved, I was so rough around the, reg, uh, the edges, I was just telling people like it is. I'm gonna tell you the truth, and I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna do that. And then this verse convicted me. It's like, no, nah, my, my words need to be seasoned with grace and seasoned with salt so that I can know how to answer everything that might come. If we want to impact people's lives, we need to be willing to season it. You have to be willing to pour out some of yourself in order for them to improve, for, in order for them to become more or become better. I want you to look to your neighbor and say, you are destined for impact. Oh, that was what, you gotta tell them like you trying to declare something like, hey, like Catherine right here on the front row, Catherine, you were destined for impact. I believe that, I know that. Salt seasons, but also salt preserves. Salt preserves. See, uh, in that time, what they would use is they would pack the salt, and what it would do to a, a piece of meat is that it would protect it. It would put an outer layer on it. We do it now for like super-aged meats and fine meats. They pack it with salt. It creates a, a protective layer that keeps bacteria out. So salt seasons, but salt preserves. You and I should be preserving the world around us. You're a preserving agent. Our world is calamity. Our culture, our city, we can look out, we can watch the news. All these things, we see moral decay, but thank God that he has called you and I to be the salt of the earth because now we should be the preserving agents that are protecting from bacteria. What is bacteria? It's the sin of this world. We were all born into a broken and fallen world, and so therefore we need the children of God to rise up and say, mm, brother or sister, I'm gonna protect you. I'm gonna preserve you. Don't worry, I got you. I'm not gonna let that sin entangle you any longer. I'm gonna come and cover you because that's who God has called me to be, is to cover you. 
It's our preserving nature that should make those that come into contact with us all of a sudden experience the kingdom peace, joy, and hope, and love that we carry in our hearts. So ask yourself, who are you preserving right now? Who are you protecting by your walk with the, with the Lord? You know, I was thinking about uh, our children. Funny story, um, Chelsea and I were going out to eat the other day with our son, Apollos, and we walked in, and the hostess um, I can't remember what she said. She greeted us, and, and then she asked for a high, oh, do we need a high chair? And she said, well, does he need a high chair? And then she kind of looked, kind of, she's like, does she need a high chair? And I'm like, nah, he a he. And you don't have to figure out his pronouns, because he's a he, because I'm going to be protecting those thoughts and that thinking from my son, because I'm a preserving agent. So we get scared. Look, I, I understand parents, we get scared. Even last Friday, I know there were some parents that were worried, like, man, my, my, my little baby's going to go to the free, and there's some big kids over there, and I'm a little worried. But thank God, you can be the preserving agent that's covering their mind, that's covering their thinking, that's covering their emotions. Come on, we serve a God who covers us. And so, therefore, we can be that preserving agent that covers other people. We are called to preserve. Not to expose and just say, oh, that's ugly, that's nasty. No, put that salt on there and let that thing get protected. Let it be enclosed with your life and your love for those people. So salt season, salt preserves. And here's something that I learned as I was studying salt. You should go and study salt. You'll learn a lot, all right? Salt doesn't expire. Salt doesn't expire. Now, you might be like, Pastor James, nah, the salt in my, my kitchen, it has an expiration date on it. Well, I'm gonna tell you why because that's not pure salt. Pure salt does not have an expiration date. Pure salt does not expire, it doesn't go bad, it doesn't rust, it doesn't create mold. Pure salt doesn't lose its saltiness. You can have it forever, it will not lose its saltiness. Pure salt, that's who we're called to be. But you know what can make salt expire? Like the table salt that we use that has uh, iodine, it's been iodized, it's because you add impurities or substances to it. That's the only time salt can become compromised. The only time. So we have to ask ourselves, is it possible that we've been mixing things or compromising things in our own life that are impacting the way that we can be salt to the earth? Salt doesn't expire. Come on, some of you have been saved for a little bit and you're like, man, back in my heyday, I used to really serve the Lord, but now, you know, I just take it easy. That's not, that's not biblical. God has called you to never expire. That means he still has a purpose and a plan for you despite, despite how much time has passed by. Salt does not expire. But Jesus gives us a very uh, interesting uh, notion here when he says, look, you are the salt of the earth, but if a salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be trampled underfoot. He wasn't saying that anyone in this room or anyone watching online, because you've made a mistake, that now you're no longer salty, you're no longer good. That's what the enemy would tell you. You would hear a verse like this, and you're sitting in here right now, and you're like, yeah, you know, that's great, but if you've made some mistakes like I've had, there's no, I no longer have effectiveness. There's no longer any flavor to my life. I've given it all up. It's dissolved. It's just gone. Jesus isn't saying that. He's saying to these disciples, look, they understood saltiness would never go away, meaning that our impact should never go away. If you are a believer and you are a Christian and you love the Lord, can I tell you, you should go from kingdom impact to kingdom impact to kingdom impact to kingdom impact. It does not stop 
because your saltiness does not expire. But I want to break this down a little bit more. When he says that phrase, no longer good, that could really be translated into the Greek as becoming foolish. Becoming foolish. See, disciples of the kingdom who do not live like disciples of the kingdom look foolish. You know, there was a great movie when I was growing up that it was probably one of my favorite movies watching. Uh, They're making a a number two, which I don't know why they do this. Just leave the original alone. Uh, But they're making Space Jam. Space Jam was like my favorite movie growing up. Space Jam was, man, that was the movie right there. I'd be inspired by watching Space Jam. Like, one day I'm going to be those guys. But in 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 the movie of Space Jam, there's one thing I want to highlight. You had all these professional NBA basketball players that had their, their abilities stripped from them. And I remember the scene of, of Avery Bradley, this tall seven-foot guy, and Charles Barkley and, and, and Muggs Me Alone, and all these guys that were super skillful, and now they like, didn't even know how to dribble a ball anymore. They're like, what happened to us? They looked a little silly. They looked a little foolish. I mean, you know, if you're a fisherman and you can't catch a fish, that just looks foolish. It doesn't look right. If you see a lion without teeth, that looks a little foolish. That looks a little silly. Right, we see all these different things. You see a, a professional baseball player who can't hit a baseball, it looks a little foolish. The same way if you see a believer who doesn't make an impact, it looks a little foolish. And it's not because our saltiness has worn out, but we have to make this choice of saying, hey look, are we gonna let my life, am I gonna let my life be the salt of the earth? So not only does it need salt if we're gonna make an impact, but we need to light it up. Light it up. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. The word light is mentioned over 250 times in the Bible. We see its first appearance in Genesis 1, uh, verse 3, when God says, let there be light and there was light. Jesus in John 8, he says, I am the light of the world. Our last uh, place where we see light in the scripture is in Revelation 22.5, and it says this, there will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of a sun, for the Lord God will give them light. They will reign forever and ever. To have light is to have truth. That's what light means. To have light is to have revelation, which is to have an understanding of truth. I wanna talk to you about a dark place. I wanna talk to you about something that is so clearly, everyone here knows when you see the sign, you know that this is a dark place. Check this out. This is a dark place. (laughs) I don't know anybody who's excited to go to the DMV. Matter of fact, matter of fact, it's funny, um, we've been here for two years. My wife still has a California driver's license because she don't wanna go there. Right, the DMV is, is not the place to be. It is a dark place, but I wanna tell you a story. I mean, just look at this line. I wanna tell you a story though, and you can even go to the next photo there, because this is what we see at the DMV. And you're like, man, how many numbers can there be? I'm gonna be here all day. I wanna share this story, you can leave that up. Pastor Christian, who was just up here leading us in worship, uh, maybe about a month ago, he was telling me of a time, he had to go to DMV. And thank God he's a man of faith. Uh, but he went, and when he went to the DMV, there was a line wrapped around the building, and he was there for four hours. Four hours. That is torture. But while he was there at the DMV waiting in line, 
I mean, you got to do something. You're going to be there that long. He begins to strike up a conversation with a gentleman that was behind him. And in the midst of them talking uh, and just talking about their occupation, just, just kind of small chatter back and forth, there was an opportunity in a moment where the man brought up something to do about faith. Well, Pastor Christian used that opportunity to share his faith. He used that opportunity. So what looked like a four-hour wait in darkness became a one-hour conversation about light. And in that, praise God, in that he got to sow seeds of life into this man. And also, this is what I love. I love the, the follow-through. Pastor Christian got follow-through. But not only that, he was able to talk to him about his new book that he just wrote, about Jesus' life, All Man, All Amazing. And he told him, you know what? When it's done, I'm going to mail you a copy of my book. And just last week, he mailed that man a copy of his book. And so when I think about dark places, I think about we have a choice. Are we going to bring light to a dark place? Come on. If you're going to bring light to the DMV, that's a light right there. So he had an, a choice. He could say, you know what? I'm in darkness. I don't want to be here. I don't like this. And thinking about himself. But he said, well, how can I bring the kingdom of light? I'm called to be the light of the world. How can I bring that to this opportunity and to this moment? Now, we don't know what's going to happen. That man didn't accept Christ right there. But there were seeds that were sown. There was truth that was shown. He was able to see light maybe for the very first time. Each and every one of us have to light it up. Each and every one of us have to be used as the person that might illuminate someone else's path or someone else's walk. We need to be the light of the world. Here's another thing I was thinking about. Last Tuesday, I was super encouraged. We had baptism Tuesday, baptism service. Um, and during that service, uh, there was a young lady who was getting baptized, and I was reminded uh, of two years ago. Two years ago, she went to Breakaway Youth Camp, which Breakaway is coming up in about three and a half weeks. So if you have a young person, you should sign them up to go to Breakaway. And here's why. Because Breakaway was where she got to encounter the light of God. Breakaway, two years ago, come on, the light that she encountered was so bright, it was so life-altering that her whole time through a pandemic did not phase her. Come on, we got some people that we know, they, they fell off during this pandemic. But because of the light that she saw, she said, no, I'm gonna wait two years and then I'm gonna get on this stage and I'm gonna proclaim to everybody and let them know I'm following Jesus. I wanna be obedient as into baptism. This is why we have these camps. This is why we say, man, bring your kids, sign them up, get them on the bus. If, you're not, if you don't have kids, uh, scholarship, sponsor a student to go because what they get to do is they get to encounter the light of the world. Amen. The light of the world that has withstanding power. It's not, it's not phased. Once you've seen light, you've seen light. You wake up and you know, you're, it's nighttime and someone turns a light on, you're like, ah, I saw the light. It just, it sticks with you. It's lasting. It has an effect on us. And so you and I are called to be the light of the world. We're called to do that. But how do we actually share our light? How do we share the truth if they can send the musicians? There's a couple of ways. One, you have to be engaged with culture. You can't light something up if you're not going to be engaged with it. You can't bring light to a dark place if you're not willing to go there. We have to be engaged with culture. Do we have to agree with everything that's in culture? Absolutely not, and we shouldn't. But we need to be engaged enough that our little, our little flashlight of our light can shine into that place. Be engaged with culture. Growing in our understanding is a huge one. 
growing in our understanding, not assuming we have it all figured out, not assuming it's safe. You know what Jesus was really saying with this whole message is for the believers that salt and light does not happen in this building. It doesn't happen in this building. If I were to get a flashlight and try to shine it in those lights, you wouldn't even, it's just too much light in here already. You wouldn't even notice that it's on. He was telling them, look, though you might feel persecution, though you might have hardships, you are salt and light. You are to go out into this world. You are to bring it to other places. Our light, we must grow in our understanding so that we can go into other places. Even if we don't agree with it, you can bring light there. Even if it's gonna be difficult, even if it's gonna be challenging, we can bring light by growing in our understanding. How else do we share light? You share the gospel. You share the gospel. You know, my prayer is that everyone in this room in their recent history has been able to share the gospel with somebody. I mean like the gospel, like this person does not know who Jesus is. You walk them through what is sin. You walk them through what Jesus did on the cross and how he paid the price of their sin. You walk them through that if they were to accept him and believe in their heart and confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, that they can have eternal life. Everyone in this room, everyone watching online, you should encounter and experience that. Not just once, because you don't lose your saltiness. It should be continual. It should be a cycle. And some of you are like, well, how do I do that? Everyone around me saved. You gotta go out. You're like, my family's saved, my kids are saved, my grandma's saved, my auntie. Well, you gotta go out. You know, I was so encouraged that, that this last Friday night at the free because as Catherine mentioned, there were some kids from a local high school that showed up and without even hesitation, I, I saw some of our students, I said, hey, I want you to go talk to all of them. And they weren't like, come on, pastor, no. They were just like, hey, they introduced themselves. Come look at this building. This is what we do here. This, we're a church. We love God. We have these games. You're welcome here. They were automatically taking their lights into a dark place. Is your light illuminating those who live in your home? We're talking about impacting the world. We have to start with our home. Is your light illuminating those who live in your home? Do you light up your workplace? Do you light up your school? Do you light up your family members? These are the questions I want us to be thinking about today as we look to the 4th of July. Here's the last thing I would share about salt and light. It's the dynamic duo. Salt and light have some great com uh, components and attributes that they both share, and I believe that we should all share as well. Both are needed for life. If the human body does not have enough salt, eventually it will be fatal. This is why professional athletes and those who do strenuous things, you have to quickly replenish your salts. It balances. You know what salt does for our body? It helps us retain water. We need salt for there to be life. Or life, yes. We need light as well. You know, I don't know if you've ever um, experienced this, but people who live like in Seattle or even Alaska where they don't have a lot of sunlight, they'll go a long stretch. They have to have these sun lamps in their house and they have to get a certain amount of time where they sit in front of the sun lamp because if we don't have exposure to light, it can begin to mess with our mental health. We need light and we need salt. Both of those give life. You know, in the Bible it talks about, there's three Greek words for life. There's bios, which is a, a, a bi biological. It's our physical life. Jesus isn't calling us to give physical life. There's the, the suki, and, and, and that is not, that's a soul life. Jesus is not calling us to give this soul life, but then there's zoe. 
Zoe is the eternal life, the life, the divine life of God. What he's saying, when we are salt and light, we are bringing Zoe. We're allowing there to be an opportunity for someone to encounter an eternal divine life with God. Both salt and light both fight off infection and bacteria. I know I've stated it, it's so simple. We should be the healing agent of our world, of our city, of our communities. We shouldn't need the government. We shouldn't need uh, uh, social constructs or city things. We should just need the church of Jesus Christ to rise up and say, we will be the salt and light of this world. But here's something I want you to note. Salt and light, whatever they come into contact with, they bring change. You can't put salt on something and taste it and not know that it's not present. You can't go into a dark place, I don't care how small the candle is, in a pitch black room, any amount of light, any amount of light cannot go unnoticed. Man, you, you get your phone light out in the middle of the night and you're like, man, I can see really good. If I were to bring it out right now, you wouldn't see it. But when we have just even a small light in a dark place, it cannot remain hidden. You and I were never meant to remain hidden. You were meant to make an impact. You were destined to make an impact for the things of God. But again, I love asking questions. You know you should always ask questions during a sermon. Ask questions eternally about your own heart. I put these questions that I say in here because I'm, I'm asking myself those when I create these, this sermon. Have you forfeited your flavor? Have you hidden your light? Have you forfeited your flavor? Have you hidden your light? I wanna share a story in our nation's history um, about the Underground Railroad. In the 1830s, we know that there was, uh, slavery was still happening and there was the abolitionists who were working diligent, diligently to try to free the slaves. And there was a certain tool that they would use on the Underground Railroad. So as slaves were running away and they were trying to make it to a free state, they would help them by allowing them to uh, stay in certain homes or provide food for them or shelter for them. They had uh, guides that would be uh, called conductors, and they had these safe houses that they would be able to go to. And one of the ways that they would do this is they would use the Underground Railroad lanterns. Such lanterns were hung on hitches outside of houses, and what they would do if the lantern was dim, if it was dark, that meant it's not safe to come here. That means you have to keep on going. But if the lantern is lit, that means there's refuge to be found here. There's a place that you can go and you can experience shelter from being out on the road and, and shelter from being on the run and you have a place to lay your head. It was so important, it was vital for people to experience freedom that other people would let their lantern shine. Such lanterns were represented not just a sign of a safe haven, but they also stood as a symbol of hard-won freedom. I want you to imagine you've been on the road You've been on a journey that's been extremely dark, extremely tumultuous, and the one thing that you've been looking for is just to see a house that has a light on, an underground railroad lantern that is lit. That is your sign of freedom. That is your sign of remembering the cause. That is your sign of saying, look, I have hope right there. If I could just make it to that lantern, I could have hope. How much so for your own life? You have to let your light shine. You know, today is the 4th of July, and the 4th of July represents ideals of America. 
the 4th of July, uh, wanted to, the, the whole purpose of the American life was to set an example for the rest of the world, to set an example of democracy and all these other ideals. However, when we have ideals without proper identity, we fall short. And just like our nation that we are celebrating today, our nation has fallen short in a lot of ways. When it comes to the kingdom, though, we cannot fall short. We need our salt and our light to reign out. See, there's two parallels here, your identity and your ideals, and they're directly linked. And when we run away from our identity, it creates a great chasm in our ideals and in our behavior and the things that we want. America's identity in Christ has been unfounded and therefore its ideals have failed some people. While others would celebrate today independence and freedom, American culture has also left some people in bondage and in slavery. And with the residue of that still here present today, leaving people on the front lines fighting for freedom and equality. But when we embrace our identity as salt and light, we now can bring the ideals of the kingdom to our homes, to our nation, and to our world. My hope this 4th of July, as we are at our barbecues, we're with our friends, and they're putting salt on the food. My hope is that when we celebrate the independence of our nation, that we would reflect on the true freedom that can only come from the kingdom of heaven. That when we're enjoying our time together and we see the fireworks go off, we recognize that as a nation, yes, we might be great, but yes, there's also some things that God, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he has positioned us to be the salt and light that would bring heaven down into a dark place. Would you all stand to your feet with me? I want us to pray today that God would position us to make an impact. That God would use you, he would use your home, he would use your kids, your family, to make an impact. And it starts with us saying, Lord, I was destined for this. I was destined for this. Come on, lift your hands right now. Jesus, Jesus, we love you, God, and we thank you, Lord, that you have called us, God, to great things, God. We thank you, Lord, that you looked down upon us and you did not say, oh, you should be salt or you should be light or one day you will be light or one day you will have saltiness or one day you do need to be saved this long in order for you to make an impact. No, Jesus, you said today, right now, we are the salt of the earth. We are the ones that are gonna protect. We are the ones that are gonna extract the best out of people. We are the ones, God, that will not grow tired, that will not give up. We will keep injecting ourselves into the culture. You've called us to be light. You've called us to be a city on a hill, God, for others to see and to seek refuge, Lord. And so my prayer is right now, God, for those watching online, for those in this place right now, that you would set us apart to be salt and light that you would set us apart to make a kingdom impact. God, even today, when we're with our family members and our friends, I pray there would be a kingdom impact that would happen at the table. There'd be a kingdom impact that would happen by the grill. There'd be a kingdom impact when we're watching the fireworks go up, Lord. You've not called us to be on the sideline, but to hop in the game. And so Jesus, we take this declaration, we take this commission and we say, Yes, we live in this great nation, but God, we are serving and living in the kingdom of God that shall not fail, that shall not uh, be diminished, but we are believing God 
that we are gonna bring change to our world, change to the city of Chicago. God, we had, I, I'm just reminded on Friday night, there was a young girl who prayed that revival would come to the city of Chicago, that revival would come through our youth, and we believe in God. And we declare it, Lord, because you are making us salt and light to this earth. We thank you, Jesus, and we worship you. Hallelujah.